This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So one thing I often hear from students is that they just don't really have enough time to practice. They have busy full lives. Totally get that. I go through the same thing as well. But one thing that I always say is one of the best forms of practicing is just listening, listening to jazz or whatever kind of music you're trying to learn. If we listen and we listen critically, we can learn so much. So I thought today on the podcast, we would just listen to some jazz together, really do some critical listening. I'll walk you through a little process. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun, but first let's cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here, the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com. It's a blog, podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Excited to be with you today. I woke up this morning and, uh, oh man, my throat felt a little bad, so I'm a little sick. I I don't know if you can tell from the recording. Maybe you can't, but uh, the show must go on and uh, I'm excited for the show to go on. And like I said in the intro, we're going to be listening to some jazz today. I think that's going to be a little bit of uh, fun. We're going to listen to a little bit of Someday My Prince Will Come. Uh, Miles Davis's recording of that off of his album, Someday My Prince Will Come. One of my favorite Miles albums, by the way, just because it has like a, a really all-star cast of characters on there. Um, and so I'm going to walk us through a little process of of listening, because like I said, listening is listening is something that if done, obviously we can do it just to enjoy what we're listening to, but if done with a lot of focus and done very critically, listening very critically, I think we can pull a lot out of everything and we can really pull a lot out of the songs that we're listening to. So we're going to be listening to the last chorus of Miles Davis's solo and the first chorus of Hank Mobley's solo. Uh, and the reason we're doing that is because there's some, well, I don't want to play the whole song, first of all, and, and there's some cool changes that kind of happen uh, with the rhythm section that I think are notable. Um, and so what we're going to be doing, just to give you like the little rundown of the process, is we're going to be listening first to the entire section, you know, just all at once, just kind of consuming that, hearing it. And then after that, we're going to really hone into each individual instrument. So first, we'll start with just the lead instrument. So just Miles and just Hank Mobley. Then we're going to go through and listen to just the bass uh, through what, what the bass player is doing through all of it. Then we're going to go ahead and we're going to listen to uh, the piano, and then we're going to listen to the drums. We're going to go through that one by one through the entire thing and, and just really focus in on that. So the idea of doing this is that we're, we're really going to get a good sense of what everybody in the band is doing, not only collectively, but also individually. And I and by making these observations, I think it's going to be enlightening. And what I want you to do is, is while we do this, to really pay attention 
and, and, and maybe if you even aren't, you know, I know a lot of you are on your commutes or doing, you're, you're working out at the gym, but you know, if you're sitting down somewhere and you have the opportunity to write down some notes, that would be really great. I'm going to be doing that myself, just writing down little notes and observations that I'm making as I'm listening, right? Just focusing in on each individual instrument. And I think we're going to really learn some things by doing this together, right? So let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into this. All right, so before we start pressing play here, uh, let's go over quickly who's actually playing on this track, right? So we've got Miles Davis, he's playing trumpet. we got Hank Mobley, he's playing tenor saxophone. And John Coltrane, who's also playing tenor saxophone, uh, he he does take a really awesome solo in this song. If you've never heard Someday My Prince Will Come from this album, definitely go check it out. But we're not going to listen to Coltrane's solo today, but he's on this. Wynton Kelly is the piano player, one of my all-time favorite piano players. Paul Chambers is on the bass. And then Jimmy Cobb is playing the drums, okay? So that's just to be aware of who's actually in the band here. So again, this first pass here, we're just going to be listening to the last chorus of Miles' solo, the first chorus of Hank Mobley's solo. We're not honing into any one instrument. We're just listening to the whole thing as a collective, just, you know, just to listen to it, see what we think, all right? So let's let's listen right now. killer right i mean that is that's some good stuff right there uh all right so just some general observations up top uh before we start really listening to each individual part here um just they sound so good together right like everybody's balanced no like the rhythm section is just accompanying the soloist like perfectly in my opinion like it's it's just incredible playing and right these are like the these are the greats right here so i mean we should be paying attention to them so let's uh, let's go individually, uh, through, so we're going to start with the lead players. So we're going to listen to this again, and I'm going to make a few comments that I'm just hearing off the top of my head as we're listening. And then I'll make some comments at the end as well, but we're just going to be listening to miles and just going to be listening to Hank Mobley. Fun fact, by the way, uh, I actually at one point learned all of Hank Mobley's solo on this song. Uh, I went at some point when I was trying to become better at, at improvising over Someday My Prince Will Come. Um, anyways, so again, we're just listening to the trumpet, just listening to the saxophone, try to tune out everything else going on and just focus on what they are playing. Okay, this can take some discipline, a little bit of uh, focus, all right? So let's do this. Let's do this. 
just long tones, right? I got the melody in there. You heard the melody. That's a weird line. We're going to listen to that later. Awesome. That was great. So, uh, Miles Solo, the, at least this is his last chorus here, and he's playing a lot of these longer tones uh, in the higher register. And uh, another thing that he's doing is, uh, I mentioned it, is he's quoting the melody a few times, and that's very typical of Miles is great at doing that. He's great at adding that melody in his improvisation. That's a little, you know, great tip for us, right, to include the melody. I mean, that's what makes up the song. Um, he played that really interesting part there. Uh, let's let me figure this out really quick on my guitar. And just to clarify, this is the part I'm talking about here. All right, so B B flat major is the first chord. So B flat major seven. Okay, th this is incredible. This is really cool, guys. Okay, so check this out. So the the first chords of "Someday My Prince Will Come" for constant for context for you is B flat major seven, D seven, you know, sharp nine, something to that extent, and then an E flat major seven, and then a a G seven to a C minor seven. So. That's how that goes. So check out what Miles is. This is incredible. Check out what Miles is doing on this. He starts on the sharp 11 of the B flat major chord. So he starts here. Okay, so that's a B. So now he's basically imposing a B flat major sharp 11. And then the next chord I said was a D7, right? Then he plays the sharp 11 of the D7. So it sounds like this. So, so far, a, a B flat major sharp 11 and then a... A D7 sharp 11. Now check this out. <laughs> then he plays the sharp 11 of the E flat major 7. So sounds like this. Uh, whoops. That's the sharp 11 right there. So he's got... So B flat major 7 sharp 11. And then he's got D7 sharp 11. And then he's got E flat major uh, e flat major sharp 11 okay so now then he goes so that that note right there that's just the third of e flat major so so this note right here so the next chord i said was 
was G7, usually G7 alt. Well, he's playing a G, guess what? He's playing a G7 sharp 11. He's going, that's the sharp 11. And then he goes to the, the ninth of the C major. And something like this. And something like that. So it's, it's incredible what he's doing there. So it's so weird because it sounds so weird when you hear him play it. I never, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little baffled by this because I've never actually figured this out before until just now in this podcast. So that it's it sounds weird when he's doing it at first. You're like, what is he doing? It sounds like he's playing the wrong notes, but then he keeps playing the succession of notes, which we now just discovered. He's playing the sharp 11 of every single chord, and it sounds good because it makes methodical sense. Isn't that incredible? Like, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That That's that's so cool. Um, <laughs> all right, a little bit of fun here. All right, so then, uh, so that's the Miles solo, and that's what really stood out to me there. Then we go to the Hank Mobley solo, and Hank Mobley, in my opinion, just plays so beautifully here. I love Hank Mobley's sound, first of all. Uh, you know, just really warm, um, just nice and warm and fuzzy, and he just plays these great eighth note lines over top of, of the form. And one thing that I also noticed, and I noticed this from just years ago when I learned this solo, is, you know, he really repeats some of the same ideas over and over again, especially when he's, you know, going over this section where it's the G7 to C minor 7, you know. He's doing a lot of... So it's really just these ideas over top of this G7 altered that resolves to a C minor 7, right? So, um, yeah, he, he really, so he's really repeating that. If you listen to more of the so, really ideas along that line are really, he repeats them over and over again. But I don't, it's not like in a bad way by any means. In fact, it sounds fresh the way he approaches it every single time. And he really utilizes that piece of language to navigate the piece and uh, that's just something that really is a big takeaway for me there. Um, and, and the other thing for both of their solos is the use of space, right? I think I mentioned that while we were listening, the use of space, like these guys aren't playing continuous notes over and over again. They really have phrases and ideas. They're not, they're not afraid to let their solos breathe. And I know a lot of us struggle with that. So that's something to note as well. Um, so yes, I, I would encourage you to, on your own time to uh, go ahead and, and listen to this more, listen to the, all of their solos. Uh, and and really hone into them as well. But let's move on for now. Um, let's listen to Wynton Kelly now, the piano. And again, so this is going to be an exercise of focus. I only want you to be listening to Wynton Kelly. Don't listen to um, anyone or anything else. Just really try to hone into Wynton Kelly. It's going to be a little harder, right? Because those lead instruments are really up front in the recordings. So just really focus. I only want you listening to the comping of Wynton Kelly right now, right? Here it is. Is comping on the offbeats. Hmm. 
hear that little line he played into the solo? Wow. More busy comping over top of Hank Bowman's solo. Awesome. So, hey, did you hear? Did you hear how he pedaled on that on the five chord there at the end? To you know, he was doing there. He was building up for Hank Mobley's next chorus, his second chorus. He was building it up a little bit that tension. Um, that's just a that's a common tool that uh, you know lots of compers use. Now, okay, wow, that Winton Kelly. I mean, he's one of my favorite pianists for a reason, and I have a whole slew of modern pianists that I love, and you know, pianists from this era as well. Um, but Wynton Kelly is just like, and I, and I'm not a piano player, but I know that a lot of piano players look and point back to Wynton Kelly and say, Hey, Wynton Kelly, you got to check this guy out because for a good reason, I mean, master comper, did you hear the way he was accompanying the soloist and also the way he was driving the rhythm with those upbeat comping, you know, just so he's hitting like the off beats. He was really filling in the spaces where you know you probably even notice like while the soloist was playing sometimes when whenever went and heard like a little space he would hit a little ornament in there you know a little splash of something in there that was really beautiful um man we could probably listen to that over and over and over again and pick out new things the big thing that I, the big takeaways that i was hearing were just his you know comping on the offbeats really driving that rhythm forward by doing so right he's like pushing it forward and filling in that space so nicely he played that little uh bluesy line going from Miles solo into uh Hank Mobley's solo and and usually you would think oh that's weird why, why would he like solo over top of you know it's not like he was about to take a solo maybe he thought he was going to take a solo next i i have no idea um uh, regardless, actually, I think he really took a solo in this song. It doesn't matter. Regardless, it sounded awesome. And it really, I think, set up Hank Mobley amazingly with his little fill there. Um, and then he starts playing more over Hank Mobley's solo. And the reason that he's doing that is because Hank Mobley's playing more notes. Um, you'll hear, we'll talk about the drums in a second, but there's something going on there. Basically, there's a big shift between Miles solo and Hank Mobley solo in the way the band is responding. Okay, but the first place to notice that is with with uh, Wynton Kelly's comping. Is he's changing the way he's comping uh, just a little bit, a little more busy, a little more action than he is on Miles solo. Okay, all right. So now let's move on to uh, the bass. Now this is going to be a little harder because the bass isn't as present in the mix as always. But this is where that critical listening comes in. So really focus, hone in, um, listen to Paul Chambers and what he's playing, how he's playing. Um, Try to note the differences in the way he's playing as we move along, all right? I'll try not to talk too much because, again, I know that he's very quiet. So really focus, really pay attention. Let's listen to this. Really big emphasis on B1. It's 
really laying down the harmony for us. It's walking. Yeah, wow. Okay, so, yeah, Paul Chambers there. Okay, so notice, so Miles Solo, he's really, like, mostly hitting just the, the, the quarter note, just like the first beat of each measure, beat one of each measure, right? Just really outlining the harmony for us. He does little fills in between sometimes, right? Um, sometimes he, there's at one point, he, he did a little stuff where he crawled a little higher up on, on, on the fretboard there. Uh, but he's really just laying down the law right there. Now, then all of a sudden, again, we're talking about that change with Wynton Kelly's comping. All of a sudden, we go into Hank Mobley's solo, and he starts walking. Now, that's because Hank Mobley, again, he's playing more notes. Uh, Wynton Kelly is changing the way he's comping, and we're going to talk about the drums in a second because that everything changes there. It's almost like they just all read each other's minds, and the energy went to a different place, right? Um, so, for the most part, the first chorus of Hank Mobley's solo, he's walking. Although you notice that during that little section, he starts, you know, once again, kind of sliding back to just hitting one note per measure. But then he goes back into walking again. It kind of created a different texture there for a second. Just masterful uh, walking, bass playing, masterful bass playing, just amazing stuff by by Paul Chambers. But again, like we're, we're really honing into each individual person right now. And... It's interesting to to think about this in the context of what everybody else is doing too, right? Because we're we're starting to feel like how did Miles play? How did Hank Mobley play? And then how did Wynton Kelly respond to that? And then how did uh, how did Paul Chambers respond to that? How did you know we're we're really going through all this? I mean, this is really interesting stuff, even just for me as I'm going through this and, and just thinking about this. Uh, this is really a great thing to do, like over the entire tune. That would be really uh, helpful to you get even more insight. Okay, that was Paul Chambers. Now let's listen to what Jimmy Cobb's doing on the drums. Got brushes on the snare right now. Thank you. 
Awesome. Okay. Wow. So, okay. This is, this is really great. This is really great. Okay. So he, he starts out, he, okay, he's on Miles's uh, last course of the solo and he's really just, he's really got his brushes on the snare. Um, and that's, that's what he's doing. He's just really laying down that nice texture, that nice uh, time feel in the back. Now, Notice uh, the the big thing for me is is he, that's really what he's doing for that chorus there. But when we switch over to Hank Mobley's solo, that's where again that's where everything changes. It's like the whole band decided, okay, we're changing this. And by the way, this is this is a very common. This is a pro tip here for bands in general. When you when you're switching up the soloist, change the energy. And oftentimes, and I, I I'd have to really uh, you know ask one of my drummer friends to confirm this uh, to be 100 percent true. But oftentimes, I think drummers they switch out uh, they switch up what symbol they're playing on when they switch to a new soloist, right? Because they're trying to keep things fresh and different. You don't want to just keep the energy in the same place. And essentially, what Jimmy Cobb was saying right there, you, you could hear him make that transition uh, between his brushes. You could almost see him reaching, you know, putting his brushes away and reaching for his sticks and then all of a sudden he switches over to that ride symbol and he's got the most impeccable swing on that i mean he has uh, jimmy cobb is just phenomenal i've actually seen jimmy cobb live he's uh he, he's he's amazing you know even even now he's you know he's still alive and he's still just swinging like like hell just amazing and so he's on that ride symbol all of a sudden and all of a sudden it just opens up the energy and you can almost hear that collectively everybody is responding to that. And someone once said to me, um, maybe it was in college in a class or something that the drummer has the most power out of anybody in the band. I think that's arguably true because a drummer could stop the music from happening if they wanted to. They could they can change the energy so much. And Jimmy Cobb is so reserved too. He's so mature about the way he plays. He just, you know, it was a graceful transition from those uh from from just that work on the snare with his brushes to the ride cymbal with his sticks. And then you could hear his his snare work, which was impeccable. If you're really listening to the rhythms in there, just the way he's again complimenting. And that is comping too. The same as Wynton Kelly is comping for the soloist. So is so is Jimmy Cobb, and and so is Paul Chambers for that matter. Everybody in the rhythm section is comping, and everybody is responding to the soloist, and also the soloists are responding to how the rhythm section is working. But the big takeaway, obviously, is something happens between Miles' last chorus and Hank Mobley's first chorus. Now it'd be really interesting to go through this entire song. To hear the piano solo, to hear all of everybody's solo, to hear John Coltrane's solo later, which is a really like Coltrane just goes completely opposite of what <laughs> what Hank Mobley's doing. Because I think at that time Coltrane started really digging into a little bit more of his sheets of sound stuff. That's he was starting to get into that. So he just plays with a ton of soul and then does a little bit of that sheets of sound business going on there. And and the band responds likewise to the way he's playing, right? So this is jazz at its top level for me personally to listen to this and to observe it. Now, I hope you got the power of doing this. Um, if you were following along with me and and you know listening to each in individual instrument as I was prompting, I'm sure that you were probably surprised and you you may have thought to yourself, I've actually never really done this before. Um, or you might have said to yourself, I don't do this often enough because I'm sure that once you were really focusing really hard on just listening to the bass or just listening to the piano or whatever, that you were hearing things you probably weren't hearing before. And that's why the first time when we listened to it, we were just listening to everything as a whole, just responding to it. And that's what we normally do when we listen. 
But then we were going to each individual and you were probably hearing things you never heard before. And, you know, when you think about this, a lot of times people ask me, you know, especially guitar players and piano players, how do I comp? Comping is the hardest thing to teach ever because, you know, you could teach different rhythmic patterns and stuff like that. But comping is really about responding. If you want to learn how to comp, just listen to Wynton Kelly because he'll show you how to comp. I mean, he's doing it right there. The more you listen to that, the more you're just going to get it. And I'm sure for bass players too, there's takeaways. But even for people that are non-bass players, I mean, I'm listening to Paul Chambers and I'm like, the way that Paul Chambers is playing is going to influence the way I am playing as a guitar player, right? If I was playing along with these guys. So all of this is just, you can learn so much, right? Um, I think this is important. So here's my big challenge for you this week. I want you to find some song. It can be Someday My Prince Will Come if you want, if you want to explore this one more. But any song that you're really interested in, and what I want you to do, there, there's, there's, there's two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to, well, there's three things. Number one, I want you to listen to it just as a whole, just try to listen to the whole thing. Number two, I want you to listen to every single individual instrument throughout the entire track. And number three, I want you to find one thing that sort of surprised you and figure out what it is. So that's what I did with that Miles thing, right? I mean, that was unbelievable, right? He basically starts out the, sec- that, that, the second ending of that chorus there, uh, the second A section, rather. He starts that out with hitting the sharp 11s of all of those chords. That sounded weird. That sounded interesting to me. I wanted to figure out. I had no idea until I started recording this podcast that that's what he was doing. I mean, I could sort of hear that, right? That's how I was able to play it by ear so quickly, but that was a surprise to me. So figure out one thing that is interesting to you. So number one, listen to the whole thing as a whole. Number two, listen to it every single time, listen to a different instrument in the band. And number three, find one thing that surprises you and figure out what that is. Okay. It doesn't matter what it is. Just figure out what that is. That's my challenge for you this week. And uh, I think you're going to find some, some interesting things if you go and do this exercise. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I hope that you got something out of this. I, I know I did. Like I, like I said, just learning that part of that Miles solo right there was enlightening for me. And uh, I know that this is a great practice. Uh, so this is a great way to practice while you're on your commute and you're not able to even touch your instrument. So this is a great thing that you can do and, and learn as you do it. This is critical listening, right? Rather than passive listening, it's intentional critical listening. So hope you take me up on this this week. Now, uh, I don't do ads on this show to sustain the show or anything like that. I just always promote the things that I know that will help you that I've created. And so, uh, you know, we're coming up to the end of the year. So if you're starting to think, you know, in the new year in 2019, I want to really up my jazz skills. Uh, that's what my 30 steps to better jazz playing course is all about. If you listen to this podcast, you know, uh, that I talk about this course and this is the kind of course where you do learn solos by ear. You know, you do learn licks by ear. You do a lot of this stuff that really will help improve your jazz playing. So if you want to check out that course, if you're sort of interested in and just exploring it and making a commitment uh, in 2019 to really uh, have a practice program that really works that a lot of people, uh, other students are doing as well. Uh, go to 30stepstobetterjazzplaying.com, 30stepstobetterjazzplaying.com and check that course out there. Uh, I, I really believe this is a course and it, that, that, that really helps and, and, and my students will tell you the same. All right, and as always, if you got some value out of this show, uh, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, uh, a positive rating and review. Just uh, give, a, give a good word and you know this helps other people find the show and also know that this is a show worth listening to. So thank, so thank you so much. 
uh, for all of this, for doing that, and also for bearing with my voice today. It was a little sick, but uh, I appreciate you listening so much. But I'm going to see you next week. We only have several more episodes left or a few more episodes left of uh, 2018. So uh, we have some good stuff coming up. So stick around and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. That's LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.